I've been asked by Brother Michael to give a reading before the sermon today. In the book of Luke, chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, that's where we're going to begin the reading. The verses will be up on the board for your convenience. The Bible says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angel to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham's son said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Appreciate that, Jackson. We're going to talk tonight about what the lost man discovers 60 seconds after death. Now I want to tell you as a preacher of the gospel, it's my great privilege to get to tell people good news. That's what the word gospel means is good news. Yet it is also my responsibility not just to give people good news, but at times to warn people. At times to give people bad news at times to tell people you need to be careful you need to watch out because we're not just playing church you know many thousands of years ago a man lived and his name was Job and Job asked a very penetrating question he said if a man dies shall he live again I believe the answer to that question is yes but it's a question that's very relevant today. A lot of people have differing opinions and different ideas about that. We find in Scripture, though, that Jesus Himself answered this question when He said, The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. He said, After people die they will live again. Everyone who's alive who has died will come out of the grave. Have you ever been to a cemetery? Seen a graveyard? It's got all the headstones and everything. Jesus said that everyone who has died is going to come up out of that grave. That means my grandmother and my grandfather passed away will come up out of that grave. It means Justin Springer's going to come up out of that grave. It means Christopher McCorkle 
going to come up out of that grave. It means Osama bin Laden is going to come up out of that grave. Constantine is going to come up out of that grave. Abraham is going to come up out of that grave. Cain and Abel are going to come up out of their graves. And Jesus said those who have done good, they will come out to a resurrection of life, but those who have done evil will come out to a resurrection of condemnation. And I want to tell you the sad and frightening truth is that there are a lot of people who when they die will not look forward to the resurrection. There are a lot of people who when they die will not be right with God. And what we're going to consider tonight is if someone dies and they are not right with God, what are they going to discover 60 seconds after they die? What will be the reality? And we're going to take the things that we learned tonight from this story that Jackson has read for us tonight. The very first thing I want to call to your attention that the lost man discovers 60 seconds after death is that death does not end at all. You know, there are a lot of times people can get into a real bad spot in their life. They can make bad decisions. And those bad decisions have bad consequences. And those bad consequences can put them into terrible misery here on this earth. Isn't that right? Haven't you known people like that? My best friend in high school committed suicide. Killed himself the year after I graduated and moved away. The devil tells people whose lives are in a mess, he tells them, go ahead and just end it all. It's okay. It'll be better. Just end it all. I want you to know if a person is lost, it is not better. Because death does not end it all. I want you to look with me at what we read. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. You see, he died, he was buried, and as soon as he closed his eyes in death, 60 seconds later when he opened those eyes, you know what he saw? He saw torment. Consider these people. People who died away from God. People who died in violation of and in rebellion against a holy God some hundreds, some thousands of years ago who this very day live on in the torments of Hades. Death does not end suffering for a lost man. In fact, the truth is that death is just the beginning of suffering for a lost man. I want you to know, as we go through this tonight, you do not want to be lost. Because death won't end the suffering. Death won't end the sorrow. Death won't end the heartache. Another thing that the lost man discovers 60 seconds after death is the truth that God has a record of his sin. You know, many times we can do things and feel like we get away with them. 
right? I mean, when I was a kid, there were times that I would sneak a cookie and mom and dad wouldn't know about it or, or something. We all, at times, do things that we think we've gotten away with. But the Bible tells us this, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. You know what that tells us? God will judge the dead according to their works because that stuff's written down. God has a record in heaven of sin. The things that no one else knows about, God knows about. And it's written in His book. God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. That sin you think your wife doesn't know about, God will bring that into judgment. It's in His book. That sin that the elders in the church here don't know is going on in your life? God will bring that sin into judgment. When the lost man opens his eyes 60 seconds after death, he comes to the awful realization that all those things that to him seemed so long ago, really to God... One day is just like a thousand years. And a thousand years is just like one day. Time doesn't have meaning to God. Now, I know for you and I, we have the old phrase, time heals all wounds. You know, and we do something terrible and we we feel terrible about it. But you know, as time goes on, we feel better and better and better because it's a long ways off and it's, it's way in the past and we just don't think about it anymore. But for the lost man, that sin is written in the book of God and he will be judged according to those things written in that book in heaven. And then it dawns on the man who dies away from God that not only did death not end it, not only does God have a record of his sin, but that Satan has lied to him. You know the Bible warns us of that. It says that Satan is a liar and the father of it. Anything the devil tells is not true. He's the father of lies. In fact, the Bible says this, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. This, brothers and sisters, is an eternal law. And it's a law that no one gets away from. And that law is that you will reap what you sow. Now, I know people who say, well, while I'm young, I'm going to go sow my wild oats. You will reap what you sow. The devil will deceive you. He will tell you that you can get away with it. He will tell you that nobody will ever know. How is anybody ever going to know? I'm going to erase the history. But that's a lie. No human may know here on this earth, but God knows. And someday that will be 
spoken in front of the entire history of mankind, everyone who ever lived. Consider the shame of the lost man who thinks his sin has been hidden as the Almighty God stands before all creation and his sin is read aloud. The devil will tell you, well, you know, you can repent. In fact, you should repent. You need to straighten that out. But don't do it right now. Do it later. You know, right now is not a good time. You need to, you need to get, get situations fixed. You need to get through this rough patch before you take care of this sin. Tonight's not a good night for you to straighten these things out. I mean, you need to be able to have time to soften the blow on someone. Yet the Bible tells us, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's now. It's today. I mentioned Christopher McCorkle. Do most of y'all know who Christopher was? I think most of you do. He was my nephew. Christopher got married. Seven months after he got married, he hopped in the car one morning to take a ride and he never came home. Dead. Just like that. Now, I had been around Christopher a lot. I assume Christopher was, and I pray that Christopher was in a good condition with his soul and his God. But I do know this. I know that many, many people die unexpectedly who think they've got more time. And they don't. Christopher thought he had more time. He thought he was coming home to his wife. But he didn't. Don't be deceived in thinking you've got more time. Don't be deceived into thinking that some other time would be a better time to straighten out the sin and the wrong in your life. The lost man knows 60 seconds after death. He knows that he's been deceived. Another thing that I take from this story of Lazarus and the rich man is that 60 seconds after he dies, the lost man discovers that there is fire in hell. I know there are many theologians today who want to take the fire out of hell. There are many theologians today who want to figure out and reason away the fire that's in hell. But I want you to read what Scripture says. This man lifted up his eyes and he said, I am tormented in this flame. Jesus Christ said the fire is not quenched when He was discussing hell. Somebody says, now wait a minute. Do you really think there's going to be flames burning? And the... I don't know exactly what the fire is going to be. I know this. God said there's going to be fire in hell. And the lost man discovers that that's true. Whatever it's like. It's fire. Whatever type of fire it is, it's not what you and I want. Fire is a terrible, painful thing. And at the very least, that description is written to tell you and I that's something you don't want. That's something serious that you want to stay away from. You know, not long ago, I, I 
got a shot for the shingles to keep from getting shingles. I went to get that shot and it was kind of an expensive shot. But my father-in-law had shingles at the time and I called him and I said, hey, I was going to go get this shot, but man, it's kind of expensive. He said, I'd give a thousand dollars right now to get rid of the shingles. I called Bud Jones who has the shingles and I said, hey Bud, I was going to get this shot, but it's expensive. And he said, I'd give $2,000 right now. So I got the shot. I got the shot because that's a very painful thing, and I don't want to get the shingles. But I promise you, shingles are not nearly as painful as eternity in fire. And the lost man learned 60 seconds after death that his life may have been tough here on earth. He may have made bad situations or bad decisions that put him in terrible situations. But the lost man discovers 60 seconds after death that there is fire in hell. And I have no doubt then that the realization will come upon him that he has missed the greatest thing this life has to offer. Do you like a good bargain? Like a good deal? I'm a McCorkle. <laughs> we love bargains. We love good deals. I was with Sean. You all know Sean, my cousin here, not long ago. And we were driving down the road and we saw a tool, a screwdriver, a hammer, or something that had fallen out of somebody's truck was on the side of the road. And I told Sean, I said, you know, my dad would be taking the next exit to turn around and go get that off the side of the road. And Sean said, yeah, it's a McCorkle thing. My dad would be backing up down the, down the highway to go get it. We like good bargains. We like good deals. We like to tell you about the bargain and the deal that we got. Are you that way? You like good deals? The lost man discovers 60 seconds after death that he missed the very greatest thing this life had to offer. Jesus said, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know who Bill Gates is? Bill Gates is worth, I don't know, 50 or 60 billion dollars. If he dies and goes to hell, what good is that? It's not. You know who Steve Jobs was? Founder of Apple? He died. If he died as a lost man, he missed the greatest deal this world had to offer. Another thing that will dawn on the lost man 60 seconds after he dies is that the lost man still retains his memory. I know that because in this story, Abraham looked at the rich man and Abraham said to him, Son, remember. He could remember. The lost man will still retain his memory in hell. He will still remember the things that happened in this life. He will remember the people that we're here in this life. This 
rich man talked about his brothers who were still here on earth. He remembered his brothers. The lost man who knows that there's fire in hell now, who knows that death did not end it all, who knows that God has a, a record of all the sins that he committed, who knows that he's been lied to and he missed the very best deal this world had to offer, that man will remember if he ever heard the gospel preached. You know, if there's somebody here tonight who dies lost, you will remember the cold hardness of your heart as you turned away from the invitation that's going to be offered here in a little bit. Remember the prayers of a godly mother or father or friend. Remember the encouragement of a fellow Christian, or I say a fellow Christian, a Christian that they knew, who encouraged them, tried to talk to them about Jesus. The lost man will remember that. And I promise you, those will not be pleasant memories. Because as he reflects on the things and the opportunities that he had to be right with God, the awful realization has to come to him that all opportunities to be saved are forever gone. I know there are religions in this world today who will offer you hope after death. But they don't get that from the Bible. There is no hope to accept Christ after you've died. There is no hope to correct the wrongs after you've died. You don't hang around as a ghost until you can fix the mistakes you made before you pass on to the next life. That's not in the Bible. That's in movies. But that's not in God's Word. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you will die in your sins and where I go, you cannot come. If someone dies in their sins, if someone dies away from Jesus Christ, you can't go where Jesus is. Ever. Think about your condition before God. Eternally, do you want to go where God is? Do you want to be with Christ eternally? You have an opportunity to do that. You have an opportunity. We're going to offer an invitation here in a few moments. And when we do, you will have an opportunity to make your life right with God. But if you turn away from that opportunity and you die without ever accepting that opportunity, there will be no more opportunities to be right with God. I want to show you just some of the words that the Bible uses to describe hell. And as we look through this, I want to remind you, if you knew, or tell you if you didn't, that of all the writers in the Bible, Jesus Christ Himself said more about hell than every other Bible writer put together. Why do you think that's the case? I believe that's true because Jesus Christ knew about hell. And I want to ask you to just look at some of these phrases that are in the Bible. The Bible calls hell everlasting punishment. 
Now, when I was a kid, sometimes I thought my punishment was everlasting, but it wasn't. Everlasting punishment means forever. It does not end. Ever. The Bible calls it damnation. The Bible calls it torment. You know what torment is? Most of us do. Torment is something that's terrible. It's something that's horrible. It's something that you would scream and cry and beg to stop. The Bible calls it eternal fire. The Bible calls it outer darkness. The Bible calls it condemnation. The Bible uses this word to describe hell. Have you ever been terrified? I mean really, really, really scared. Have you ever been really scared? That's the word the Bible uses to describe hell. The Bible also uses the word lake of fire, or the phrase lake of fire. Can you imagine a great big lake just full of fire? Just all burning and fire and flames. The Bible also calls it the second death. Now, here's the reality and here's the truth. The elders asked me to come hold this gospel meeting because they care about people's souls. They don't want anyone, nobody, that they can have influence on to deal with this, especially you. We're here tonight because we care about your soul. And I know we live in a world that we, we try to isolate our children from everything that's unpleasant. We try to isolate our children. Craig was talking today about how isolated we are from the idea of death. You know, we don't kill our animals to eat them. That we just get them at the grocery store or at the restaurant. And, and if somebody dies, we hear about it. And then we go to the funeral home, but they've already been cleaned up and dressed in a nice suit. And, and I mean, everything. We try to isolate ourselves from the reality. But the truth is, you are going to die someday. And I am going to die someday. It may be soon or it may be a long time. But Scripture tells us it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. When you die, you will face the Almighty God as your judge. And so will I. The monster of death, and by the way, death is an enemy. God says it's an enemy. The monster of death is after you. And he is going to catch you someday. And when he does, he will wrap his cold fingers around your throat and your life will leave your body. And when that happens, you will open your eyes after death. And you will either be saved or you will be lost. 
Is that frightening to you? Does that bother you? It bothers me. It's very, very unpleasant, isn't it? It's an unpleasant and an inconvenient truth. But it is a truth. But I want you to know, I was concerned about preaching this sermon. Because we got a whole row of young folks here and I don't want to just scare them. I want you to know that this is true, but I also want you to know that there is hope. There is hope in a man named Jesus Christ. There is hope in a Savior, a God who loved you. There's hope in verses like this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, does that sound good? Does that sound good to anybody but me? Everlasting life sounds pretty great, doesn't it? God loves you more than your mama or daddy loves you. He loves you more than your children love you. He loves you more than your husband or your wife loves you. He loves you more than anybody in the world because He gave His Son for you. Now hopefully tomorrow night you all will get to meet my son that's been the source of all my illustrations this week. And I want you to know I've loved being here and I appreciate all of you. Nobody's treated me bad. Y'all have just been wonderful here. But I'm not giving my boy for any of you. It's not going to do it. But God is. God did. He loved you and me so much. He said, the devil's lied to you and the devil wants you to go to hell, but I'm going to see to it that you have a chance where you don't have to do that. Jesus said this, if comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You know what? You can trust Jesus. You can trust God. You can trust Him to take care of that sin that's recorded in the book of God. Because Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come just to tell us how to be. He came to save us. He came to deliver us. He said this, Come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. You got troubles? You got problems? You got heartaches? You messed up? You done terrible stuff you don't want anybody else to know about? Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be afraid when you close your eyes at night. Because we serve a God who's already defeated death. We serve a Savior who has beaten death. Death is an enemy to be sure. But death is a defeated enemy. So what shall we do? What do you and I need to do so that we are not the ones raised to damnation, but instead are the ones raised to eternal life? The Apostle Peter preached a sermon one time and he told the people listening, he said, you killed God's Son. He sent His Son here because He loves you and He wanted to save you and you killed Him. And God raised Him from the dead and now He's in heaven and He's the judge. And you know what those people said? What can we do? What do we need to do? And Peter had just a very simple answer. 
Repent and every one of you be baptized for the remission of your sins. Repent and be baptized. Now I know there's all kinds of theological arguments. Well, what if you were this and that? The truth is, that's simple. You don't got to be a genius to understand that. Any seven-year-old child can understand what that means. Repent and be baptized for the remission. That remission means forgiveness of your sins. You know what that means? That means those sins that are in that book that God has that you've committed, they're blotted out. They're forgiven. They're gone. They're erased. And so when God calls you to stand before Him in judgment, and He opens that book to your page, all of those sins you've committed will be gone. I want to warn you tonight that hell is a bad, bad place. Hell is worse than anything you can ever imagine. It's worse than I could ever begin to describe tonight. But Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Do you want to be saved? I want to be saved. I don't want to open my eyes as a lost man 60 seconds after death. I don't want to realize that death didn't end at all. I don't want to understand that I have lost every opportunity I had to be saved. I don't want to remember the tender plea of those who tried to encourage me to write my life and be good with God. Instead, I want to close my eyes and rest in peace. I want to know that I know that I know that the Almighty Son of the living God is taking care of my sins. If you're not right with God, tonight you can be. You can lay your head on your pillow tonight knowing that you're right with God. No matter what the problem is, if you're a Christian and you've got a problem, a sin that's not been dealt with, you can be right tonight. If you're not a child of God yet and you want to be, you can be right tonight. You can repent. You can believe. You can be baptized tonight. Here's water. It's a very simple and convenient process here tonight. If there's any way we can assist you with that, we ask you to come to the front while we stand and sing.